Good to see all of you this morning. There's, I'm sure, any number of reasons uh, why you're here. For some of you, it may just be kind of habit. Uh, for, for some of you, you, know, you may be looking for a church home. For some of you, you, you may be just glad to see friends. Regardless of, of what maybe first got you here this morning, what I hope is we come away today drawn to Jesus, closer to him. All those other things may be good reasons, but, but ultimately what we want to come away with is we know Jesus better. And, and so we're going to be looking at that. Um, as Caleb started to mention this morning, there's, there's some rough things. You know, when, when Kayla called me Wednesday afternoon to say that Chris had just called her to say that, that Clay passed away, you know, it changed my week. Um, and, and, and you all have things that have been going on, again, that are there. What I want us, again, come away with today is, is some sense of hope. The gospel, the, the good news. In, in 1 Corinthians 15, as um, we're kind of, as Paul's talking about that there, he says, I want to deliver to you the things of first importance, what really matters. That, that I received from Christ, he died for our sins according to Scripture, he was buried, and he was raised again on the third day according to the scripture. That's the key part of the gospel. When you cut through all of it, Jesus came, he died, he was buried, he rose again. Today we're going to talk about his death, what that means. What, what, what do we learn from the cross? There's, there's a lot. Okay, We're obviously only going to see a little bit of it. Next week we'll continue on with this and look at what do we learn from the resurrection. And so, uh, kind of between those, I think we're going to find why there is really good news. Today, at times, we may have to spend a little bit of time talking about the bad news. Before we really get to what the good news is, it, it may take just a moment and, and kind of have to dig in there. Why did Jesus die? Well, the, the, the key thing is he died to take away our sins. In, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, uh, we're reminded, you know, he himself is the propitiation, the, the atoning sacrifice, if you will, for our sins. Not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. And, and this is really the story that we see from Genesis 3 on. As soon as sin enters the world, we have, you know, kind of this awareness of sin is here. It's causing problems. Right away, you know, weeds show up, pain in childbirth. There is difficulty. There are problems. And, and the story from there through the end is what God is doing to rectify this. But, but the key thing is Jesus came and died for our sins because sin is bad. Okay, sometimes we get a, a little bit, you know, forgetting that. But, 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 but that's a pretty key thing. That Jesus' death is because of our sins, and our sins are bad. Uh, the world sometimes views sin a little differently. Uh, they make fun of it. They deny it. The, by and large, the world does not look at sin as being a problem. It's like, do what you want to do. Have your own truth. Everything is fine. Okay, th that's, that's the the story out there. 
And when you have that kind of view, anything goes. But, but also what it does is it makes Jesus' death useless, unneeded. If there's no sin, that, that there's, there's no need for a sacrifice for it. There's no problem. Uh, but that's the world's view. And sometimes that creeps over to us. We, we, we start to minimize sin. We say, well, I've got this weakness. I've got this bad habit. Okay? We don't want to call what we're doing sin. We just want to say it's something yeah, I kind of shouldn't do too much of. It might be good if I did a little less. It's a you know, bad habit. Again, the problem with that is we're taking what is an affront to the holy God and treating it as kind of a minor nuisance or inconvenience. Jesus didn't come and give his life just to handle a minor nuisance or inconvenience. He came because our sin is an affront to God's nature. And, and so we don't want to minimize sin. We want to be able to acknowledge, yes, sin is serious. Because then the response can become valuable when God sends Jesus. Again, another thing we tend to do is to compare. Well, you know, these people over here, they do the really bad sins. Okay? And you know how I tell the really bad sins? Those are the ones that they do and I don't. Okay, the sins I do, those are the kind of not too bad sins. The ones I'm thinking about doing and haven't done yet, those are the little bit worse sins. And the ones that I really can't imagine I'd ever do, those are the bad ones. Okay, that's not how God looks at it. We do that, again, to, to, to downplay the significance of sin. But I want to challenge us to not do that, to, to look and say, even that, quote, little sin, I think I do, is a serious affront. It's a rebellion against the almighty creator of the universe. Because when I can acknowledge the seriousness of my sin, I can rejoice in the value of Jesus' salvation and his death. When he comes and dies for me, it has meaning when my sin is serious. And, and so his death becomes much more valuable when I can acknowledge that sin is real. Okay. And so we need to, I think, take a much more serious view of sin. Yes, you know, it may hurt. It may feel bad. That's okay. We need to be confronted with, yeah, we have sin, and we want to change. But that that's why Jesus came was to take it away. That, that, that word propitiation, my translation used big word, the sacrifice that paid for the price, it cost something. And Jesus' sacrifice is valuable because my sin is bad. So that's kind of the first thing we need to come to grips with is our sin is bad. Not just those people's sin. My sin. But with this, Jesus came not just simply to forgive, but to make us holy. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 22... We're reminded of, of, of this. Get there. It says, he, 
Sorry, but in verse 21, although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Jesus came not simply to forgive sin and say, okay, it's all gone, no big deal. He came to make us holy. That, that there's something about who we are now that, that is different. It's, it's got a, a character to it that, that is holy. Again, a word sometimes we don't use. We are called to be holy. So again, it goes beyond forgiveness. It's, uh, forgiveness is kind of you know, that, that transactional thing that says, okay, you're, you're no longer estranged from God. But Jesus doesn't leave us there. He doesn't say, okay, now you're on your own. He's the one working to make us holy. And that's what that verse says. He's the one doing that. And, and, and our lives begin to reflect his nature. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 talk about we are now partakers of his divine nature. There is something about us that begins to resemble God's nature. Now, again, that's the story way back in Genesis 1 when it says God created man in his image. Male and female, he created them. We were made like God. Sin messed that up. But Jesus is putting that back, and we are returning to have God's nature okay, in us. That there, there is a way in which our lives look more like Jesus than they used to. There's a way in which who we are reflects God. It's because the Holy Spirit's within us, that, that, that we are being changed by our very nature to look like God. That should be coming out, okay, as Jesus is working on us. Our lives now have purpose. Okay. Holiness is, is this idea of something is set apart with a purpose, there is a reason we are God's people. It's not simply to go about what we want to go about. We've been made God's people so that we can live for him. We, we can carry out, as Ephesians 2 talks about, the, the good works that he designed beforehand for us to walk in them. There, there, there's something there for us to be involved in, to, to reflect who God is and what he's done in us. And so our lives have meaning, they have value, they have purpose. We're not just existing. There's where the hope begins to come in. Is there's a lot of people out there in this world who are just content to exist, struggling to exist because they don't know why they are here. We know. We understand because Jesus came and died for us to make us his people, we have a purpose to reflect his glory into the world around us. And having that purpose makes a huge difference. We're not wandering aimlessly. We are living lives that have meaning, that have value, that have a goal, that have an end. And so, and so, so that's, that's where this good news comes in, is Jesus came to make us holy. Leaving behind where we were and moving forward. A third aspect of Jesus dying is he came to, to make it personal. In the Old Testament, when the, the children of Israel would go to offer up sacrifices, you see this all over, say, the book of Leviticus, the people would come and they'd bring their sacrifice to, to recognition of their sin, 
and they would, as it went on the altar, they would place their hands on the animal. The, the, the idea being, you know what, I really belong there. My sin deserved death. This animal is substituting for me. And I'm putting my hand here sort of, you know, to, to transfer the sin, to identify with it, to sort of say, this is where I belong, and this animal is in my place. Okay. It wasn't just send the animal, you, know, you, you didn't just say, okay, send an animal over to the, the temple next week. Somebody take it over there and drop it off, and that'll pay for my sin. It was, there was this aspect of, I'm personally connected with my forgiveness, with that sacrifice. It's not just off in the distance. It's me being engaged with that sacrifice. And, and so, when Jesus comes and dies for us, literally we are not there at his death. But there's a sense in which what is being communicated to us through that whole Old Testament sacrificial system is that as Jesus hangs on the cross, in a sense we are there placing our hands on him saying, I belong there. I should be the one crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But it was transferred to Jesus. He took that sin upon himself in my place. And it is a personal kind of thing. Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the sight of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus didn't just die for people. He died for me. And, you know, and I, th I think about times when I've talked with people who are sort of saying, how do I know God really cared? How do I, how do I know it's not just, you know, you, I'm one of billions of people. What difference does it make? Jesus died for you. In a sense, with your hand on him saying, I belong there, you are taking my place. Jesus died for me. Died for you too, that's convenient. He died for me. Okay. And each one of you is able to say the same thing. Now, you know, the skeptic can sit back and say, well, how did he do it for everybody all at once? He can do it, he's God. That doesn't stop him from doing it. Just because we, we think, well, that doesn't make any sense. It made sense to him. He loved me and gave himself for me. It's a personal sacrifice there on the cross. That's, that's the story there in, in Romans 5 that we or the, read earlier. God demonstrates his love for us and while we were still sinners, while we were his enemies, he chose to have Jesus come and die for us. If he was willing to do that while we were his enemies... Now that we're his children, what's he going to do for us? So you can say, yeah, yeah, I think you got all you're going to get. You get nothing more. No. If he was willing to send Jesus for us while we were his enemies, now that how much more will he, you know, what's he going to hold back? What's God going to not provide to us now that we are his people? As he's making us this holy nation, a people for his calling, God will be 
for us. Later on, he, the book of Romans says, if he's for us, who's against us? That's the kind of God we've got. That's the implication of the cross. If God will not hold his own son back, we know he's not holding anything back. There's nothing that we're going to need that he's not going to provide. Maybe some things we want he's not going to provide because he's really trying to do what we need. Okay, and we're glad for that, that sometimes he doesn't give us what we want, but he gives us what we need. So, so, so we've got this forgiveness, we've been made holy, we've made, been brought in personally with this connection with God. That's what makes this all good news, that, that, that we are now able to live with, with forgiveness, with purpose, with joy. Sometimes we forget. That's why week in, week out, we have to come back to the cross. That's, that's I'm convinced, why Jesus put the Lord's Supper in place, was to just keep us over and over and over again coming back to, he died for me. And he's back alive. We'll get, that's next week. We'll, we'll get there. We have forgiveness, hope, Purpose, life, joy. And we don't want to forget that. We need that reminder because it, it can be one of those things. You get going in a week, you get bogged down, you start being distracted. We need to just keep coming back to the cross. So this morning, I, just, I want us to really remember the cross. To remember that Jesus died for me. My sin put him there. And I don't want to minimize that. Instead, I want to say, wow, look what a God I have who would send Jesus for me even with that sin. He didn't need to do that. He could have said, you messed up. I deserve death. I deserve to be cut off. He chose to rescue me. To take away that sin, to make me holy, to be my Lord and my Savior. Where do you stand with that? that, that that's our challenge this morning. And, and for some of you, you have yet to say, hey, I'm following Jesus. This would be a good time to do that. Others of you maybe just need a reminder. Others of you just need encouragement. If, if there's some way in which we can help, uh, you can come forward. The elders and their wives be in the back. Whatever way we can help you, come while we stand and sing.